Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Belmont Journal, Belmont's own local program for hyperlocal news and community affairs programming. I'm your host, Roger Colton. The Heat Smart Belmont program provides education along with financial incentives from Belmont Light for people to convert their home heating and cooling systems to green heat pumps. This past weekend, HeatSmart Belmont hosted open houses at the homes of three Belmont residents who have already installed heat pumps. The open houses were to let people see what heat pumps look like and how they work. The Belmont Journal was there. Today we have the uh, HeatSmart Belmont open house day. Uh, we have three separate locations of uh, homeowners who have already installed heat, smart, I mean, heat pumps in their home. Uh, showing off the technology to people, answering any questions they might have, uh, giving them advice and you know, things that they they experienced when they were installing them, and and how the how they've been you know living with them for a certain number of uh, years. Well, heat pumps are uh, you kind of think of them as as a uh, a way to heat and cool your home. You think of them as uh, uh, air conditioners that also work backwards, uh, and they also they instead of uh, tapping into uh, fossil fuels, uh, heat, uh, heating oil, or natural gas. They use the air um, uh, that's already out there uh, outside your home and electricity, um, which, as we know in Belmont, is uh, getting greener and greener um, to kind of create a, a, a renewable um, source of energy um, that's you know it helps the planet and while uh, keeping your your heating bills low. Well, we're in front of one home right now that he has kind of gone all all out, he replaced his entire heating, natural gas heating system uh, for heat pumps. Uh, we have another one where he just kind of wanted a um, complementary um, system, so he installed one, called it one head inside that heats just one portion of his house. Um, you can do that. Belmont Light has uh, incentives uh, that kind of size, you know, it steps up with the size of the system um, that you want to install, so it's as uh, little as 650. Um, uh, dollars for a, a, a smaller single head system to all the way up to uh, $3,000 if you want to heat your whole home and get rid of your uh, existing system. Yeah. Back then, in the 60s, mm -hmm. the only place you saw heat pumps was down south. Mm -hmm. Now, we're up in Maine. Wait, in the northeast? In the northeast, because they're so efficient. Over the past I'd say five years, I believe, the, uh, the technology has really just advanced. Um, they have uh, the ones that we are kind of working with, uh, the, the heat pump systems that we're working with, are actually called cold climate system, uh, cold climate heat pumps. They work down to uh, below uh, zero. So the Heat Smart Belmont campaign runs through October 31st. Uh, it's the perfect time right now uh, to do something that is going to help the environment and to help your pocketbook at the same time. Welcome to This Week in the Belmontonian. I have with me today Franklin Tucker, who is the editor and publisher of the Belmontonian, Belmont's online source for hyperlocal news. Franklin, given the start of construction of the new Middle and High School, we've lost the pool. And as that turns out, uh, as it turns out, that has real implications for the budget of the rec department. Can you that, bring us up to date? That's correct. Um, there's, uh, once again, the high school has had unintended consequences uh, throughout uh, town government. Uh, here it is with the, um, uh, the rec uh, commission, 
the, the, uh, the recreation uh, department. And uh, what it has happened is that um, there's, there's been a, a, a lot of adult um, uh, sports that, that spend the winter basically indoors and they, and they used to be in the field house and other places. Now, because the field house and the pool are gone, the pool was the revenue source for the, for the rec department. That was like, a, that was like just a generator of, of money. Now we've lost that. So what happens is, and... The rec department needs to be self-sufficient. That's right. And what also what's, what's occurred is that um, the rec department has also lost the, um, the field house, which used to be the place that would, where all these groups would um, meet, these adult uh, volleyball, soccer, um, you name it. They would all meet in, in this area. Now they're being shuffled off to um, uh, the elementary schools and also uh, Belmont Day. But what's, what happened is that because of the loss of the revenue, there has to be made up with fees. And for a lot of these uh, players, what they found out is that instead of paying $125, $130 like they did for many years, it's now up to $500. So it's just something that some of these players cannot, cannot afford. And what's happening right now is that people, the, the town has tried to get people to pay you know, up front with, uh, for, for the season. Hardly anybody's uh, signing up. So it becomes uh, self-fulfilling or <laughs> it, it builds on itself. That's correct. So um, can I uh, spit back what I think mm -hmm. I heard you say? So the revenue that used to come from the pool no longer comes from the pool because the pool is gone during the pendency and, of and the high school construction. And, and what we should just say is the Higginbottom pool, not the uh, yes. Underwood pool. Yes, and so that money has to come from somewhere. That's right. It's either and so fees for other... Uh, rec programs have gone up. That's right. And what ha what's happening is that so many of the people who are participants are thinking about going to other places just because it, it, it just to their benefit because the, n the number of hours are also are, are are being reduced and also, you know, the space. It used to be they used to be at the field house which is huge. Now they're going to very small elementary schools. Is there a danger that the town will simply close down those rec programs for the, the three or four years that the high, high the middle and high school I'll get this right the middle and high school is being constructed that's true uh, and and I talked to the uh, uh, rec commissioner um, and uh, the rec commission and also the uh, director of recreation in in Belmont both of them said that's the worst case scenario but it's a possibility okay let's close the door on that let's talk about town meeting there <laughs> is something that is going to occur uh, that has never happened before. Yeah, not in my 25 years here. There's going to be a petition, there's a citizen's petition that's going around town uh, by uh, Dan Barry, uh, a resident, um, and he is looking to have a, like a sense of town meeting. Uh, this petition would basically say, this is how we feel about um, uh, this issue, and the issue itself is, um, uh, teachers are being presented with um, a, a brand new uh, contract this year, and what's happening is they're finding their health care deductibles uh, uh, and fees are going up, you know, maybe double, and, and we're seeing this throughout the um, uh, country. You know, so there's something that's not unusual. Hospital stays and drugs and right. just what uh, people experience. That's right, and Mr. Barry thinks that that's just, you know, uh, unconscionable, and uh, so Another what, cost on the teachers. That's right. So what does this mean? I mean, will this, like, pressure the town to maybe not do this? You know, the town is already looking at a million dollars in savings from pushing through this um, increase in, in fees and deductibles. 
where are we going to get the million dollars? I mean, we're, we're basically going to be seeing a, a five to six million dollar override in, in, in May. Uh, I mean, in April. So does this add to that? I, I've never seen, you know, the t uh, residents come up and, and try to get involved with a contract. Thanks. Uh, we will uh, see what happens at the special town meeting and then it presents itself again in, uh, at the annual town meeting next spring. That's right. That's great. We've been speaking with Franklin Tucker, editor and publisher of the Belmontonian. This last weekend, the Belmont Historical Society opened the Wellington Station across the street from the Lions Club to the public for tours. Joanna Juvelis was there. She was accompanied by Victoria Hassey, who is the president of the Belmont Historical Society. Welcome to Wellington Hills Station, which is this classic octagonal-shaped building, which is pretty much a very visible landmark here in Belmont. Sitting right now near the underpass at 2 Common Street, actually included in the historic district. So we want to talk a little bit about the history of the building. A lot of people drive by and walk by all the time, but don't have any idea as to how to connect to the history. So today we're going to talk about earliest beginnings. It was built as a schoolhouse. Then it was used as a railroad station, and then a summer house. So it was built as a one-room schoolhouse by Mr. Samuel Orlando Mead, and he married a daughter of the Wellingtons, so the Mead-Wellington children went to school here. So during that time, one-room schoolhouses is how, in these rural communities, how people were educated in these kinds of settings. So that was the original purpose of, of this building, and it was on his estate. He owned a, a large estate here. We typically know as the Underwood Estate. When they outgrew this station, they replaced it with a bigger station. So Mr. Meade bought it back from the railroad and brought it back to his property. So during these years, it was part of his property and it was used by the family as a summer house and art studio. So the paintings that you're gonna see were painted by members of the family. And they've been held by the family for years and years in storage, you know, squirreled here in the attic in a closet. So these are some of the actual paintings that were painted by different members of the family in the building. In 1974, a member of the family, Florence Wellington, donated it to the Belmont Historical Society. And we have a whole poster board showing the building being moved from there down Common Street and then finding it's a, a setting here. I have no idea how many people come up to us or walk by and say, I've lived here for years and I've never been inside. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Belmont Citizen Herald. I have with me today Joanna Juvelis, who is the senior multimedia journalist for the Citizen Herald, Belmont's online and print source of news. Joanna, I've noticed as I've driven around town that there are police officers serving as crossing guards uh, yes. uh, today. What's the story? There is a story here. There are, they're staffing 16 posts a day during the 
drop-off and pick-up periods. Police officers are. Yes, patrolmen, because there are not enough crossing guards. There has been a position advertised for probably a year now for a part-time crossing guard and two on-call crossing guards. They've actually increased the hourly pay to make it more appealing. It's $16.50 an hour. It's about 13 hours a week. But they're, they're still not getting a lot of bites on this position because times have changed. Um, there's a theory, times have changed. People are not you know, staying home anymore. They're working full time. And while it's only 13 hours, it's a very specific 13 hours. You have yes. to be there when the kids are. So it's are. hard for a parent. It's hard for a parent because you're trying to get your kid off to school. It seems to be that the current people that serve as crossing guards are maybe closer to retirement age, maybe don't have kids in schools anymore. And, you know, uh, it has its challenges. It you, you are putting your life on the line in a way. Sure. It, it gets very cold, so you have to you know, expose yourself to all different kinds of weather. And if police, uh, police officers or patrol officers are filling that function, that would take them away from it does, other things. It does. It takes them away from their enforcement duties. And there are times when Jamie McIsaac, Assistant Belmont Police Chief, said there are times when we may not, they may not get to their post on time. So he actually warned parents. He said, just you know, make your kids aware if they're walking to school alone that, that there may not be a crossing guard at a crosswalk and just take extra care in crossing and he wants motorists to take extra care in driving. He said they are looking at maybe eliminating some areas where there's usually crossing guards and other towns have done that too because yeah. of the crossing guard shortage. My impression is that this is not a Belmont specific Not uh, necessarily, issue. right? Other towns they said have had this problem. And so they've just eliminated certain posts to so, resolve it. So we will see how it develops over the yes, course of the Yes, and if anyone's year. interested in applying, uh, go to the town website under Human Resources and apply. So again, uh, 16 sixteen fifty an hour for about 13 hours mm -hmm. a week. Yeah. Okay. Not bad. No benefits, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, there was, uh, well, I found it sad news because I thought they had the best french fries in town. Really? <laughs> there, there was an unexpected closing. Definitely unexpected, and definitely a lot of people, not just you, Roger, are sad that Seta's Cafe has closed. She is located on Belmont Street, right uh, near Sophia's Greek Pantry. I don't know if you're familiar with right. that. I don't have the exact address. But... Right there in the corner. Right. I mean, it was all over Facebook, all over the Belmont Yahoo. People are just very, very upset. You go there to have lunch, and you see a sign on the door that's handwritten, you know, with a handwritten note that says, all good things must come to an end. And it breaks my heart to say, I am closing my doors. And it's, you know, signed by the owner, Seta DeKessian of Cambridge. I did attempt to reach her and get comment from her, but she would not comment. She said she does not want to comment at this time. She had a two-day sale, but all the inventory in the store, for everything from pots and pans to china and paper goods, only two days. But now you drive by and the note's still on the door. There's still a lot of inventory in there, so we really don't know what's going on. It was completely unexpected. Right. I'm trying to reach the landlord as well. I, I don't give up easily, so we'll see what I can find out. <laughs> okay, uh, we're out of time. Thanks for stopping over. 
Uh, we have been speaking with Joanna Juvelis, who is the senior multimedia journalist for the Belmont Citizen Herald. Belmont High School has a new Marauder Marching Band director. Her name is Allison Lacasse. Belmont Journal volunteer Chet Messer brings us the story. Well, for the marching band, um, I've already had an amazing experience with them getting to know all of the students at band camp and in our first full week of rehearsals. goal this season with the marching band is to create as tight of a family as possible, really energetic and spirited. People who love to perform music together and really start to connect with the community, uh, being at varsity football games on Friday nights is a great way to meet the town and I think it's a fantastic representation of the music department here at Belmont High School. Well for the halftime program this year the show is called Boston City of Champions so we're playing a lot of our favorite anthems here um, in our very proud uh, Boston area so we're playing Sweet Caroline, We Are the Champions, um, the Fox baseball theme and Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. Well, due to the construction project this year, our parade down Concord Avenue is going to be a little bit longer. We're going to leave our practice field, which is our parking lot here at Belmont High School. We're going to go up Underwood Street, take a right on Concord Ave, and we will march almost the entire length. I hope that the, uh, the community is uh, excited about coming out to see the parade. I think it's a nice long route. Um, so if families have young kids um, that are interested in seeing the, the musicians marching by, I really would love uh, for people to come and um, be able to feel as though they're spectators at a mini parade before the football game. So we're heading to Watertown on Thanksgiving Day. Um, it's going to be my first away game for Thanksgiving here with the Belmont Marauders. And um, I've, I'm just really excited about uh, feeling the, the vibe and the excitement of that rivalry and uh, being able to play on somebody else's turf. It'll be a lot of fun. The Belmont Gallery of Art is hosting an exhibition of contemporary tapestry organized by the Tapestry Weavers West and Tapestry Weavers in New England about climate change. Belmont Journal talks with show organizers. Impact Climate Change came about, um, I think it was about nine months ago. I was really intrigued by that there was an ancient art form, the, the art of tapestry weaving, that was used um, to create work that was addressing a very topical, current, timely concern around the world, climate change. I'm a, a local uh, coordinator for this show um, about the climate change that was um, organized by the Tapestry Weavers West in California. Um, and they wanted to do something in collaboration with tapestry artists on the East Coast. And um, as a result, we have a wonderful jury show of 32 tapestries uh, who were selected out of 70 tapestries that uh, were submitted for the show. Most of the artists represented by this show are members of American Tapestry Alliance. And the American Tapestry Alliance allows um, an 
award of excellence to be given to the best tapestry in show. As a local organizer, I invited two local tapestry artists uh, from New England to jury the show um, and decide which tapestry will receive the certificate of excellence. The name of the piece is Heliconius and the weaver is Barbara Levine of Amherst, Massachusetts. That's the one which will receive the certificate of excellence. But in actual point of fact, if you say, is this the winner, then we will stop you and say, all of the work is compelling and interesting. We first walked in and looked at just the impact of how they're hung. And then we looked at them from afar, and then we looked at them from a close. And you're caught by composition, by technique, Color. Color, for sure. And Materials. The, and uh, the, the way the format of the piece fits the way the techniques are worked. The last thing we looked at was the statements because we both feel like the art has to speak for itself. have a kind of calligraphic quality, which I totally agree with, and there's something so appealing about that. In addition to this show at the Art Gallery, a companion show can be seen at the Belmont Public Library called Public Sea Changing Earth. It's a solo show by Augusta Augustuson. You can see the show through October 23rd. Here's Belmont Media's Jane Peters to tell us all that there is to do in Belmont in the coming week on our community calendar. Hi, I'm Jane and this is your community calendar for next week. The Beach Street Center presents Lynn Moulton as Julia Child in a live performance doing what she does best. Watch Julia on set of The French Chef and learn about her life, followed by a discussion with the cast about the real Julia Child. This free performance takes place on Tuesday at 1.15. An info session for parents of students with special education considerations will be presented by the Federation for Children with Special Needs on Wednesday at 6.30 at Wellington Elementary. This session, titled Basic Rights, Evaluation, and Eligibility, provides an introduction to and helps explain complex special education laws and procedures. RSVP by emailing belmontcpac at gmail.com. Parents and children in grades 3 to 6 can gather to discuss the book Dumpling Days by Grace Lynn on Wednesday at 6.30 as part of the library's Parent-Child Book Club. Registration is required on the library's website. And sci-fi lovers can take part in the library's newest book club, Planet Paperback, on Thursday at 6.30 to discuss the book Red Rising by Pierce Brown. The club will be voting on their next book during the meeting, so if you have a title you've been hoping to dive into, be sure to attend. All levels of artists are invited to Habitat's autumn session of Make a Journal, Take a Journal on Saturday from 10 to noon. Begin indoors to create simple journals and then explore habitat trails as you sketch out some areas. No drawing experience is necessary. Basic supplies will be provided. Register online at massautobahn.org. Hear from Dr. Regina LaRoque of Mass General Hospital's Division of Infectious Diseases about her research between the connection of heat pump technology and improvements to public health. HeatSmart Belmont's selected installer, Muirfield Mechanical, will also lend their expertise about air source heat pumps. This discussion will be on Thursday at 7 at the Beach Street Center. 
The Belmont Gallery of Art's upcoming fall exhibit is seeking submissions. The show, titled Elemental, explores how the foundational elements of making art work together to create compelling visual narratives. Deadline for submission is October 3rd at 6 p.m. You can email your application and JPEG images of your work to admin at belmontgallery.org. Find more information and the application form on the gallery website. And that's all for next week. If you'd like your event featured in Belmont Journal's community calendar, you can send your event info to jane at belmontmedia.org. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Belmont Journal. Thanks for watching. I'm your host, Roger Colton. I will see you again next time.